Uh, the university is still open next week. Offices are open, so you either, if, if you're a university employee, um, you, you either have to use vacation time or, uh, or, or you're supposed to be in the office. So, uh, so anyway, congratulations to, to everyone on getting through finals. And uh, congratulations to all the graduates because, let's see, there's uh, um, actually uh, there, there's some uh, graduation today and tomorrow. Uh, big, a big weekend in, uh, in, in Auburn. And I'll sort of segue that into it's a big weekend for Auburn athletics as well. And we'll talk about that and more here as we move on through the show this afternoon. A, uh, uh, a, a more guest laden edition of the Friday drive than usual um, because we had we had some Thursday uh, some of our normal Thursday uh, guests and actually co-host with with Justin Ferguson from Hello. from uh, from the Auburn Observer is usually in on Thursday is here in the studio today David Pascal mm. uh, you know D- David now expects to hear you know the three of us Talking to him <laughs> now. David had David had some things going on yesterday as well, so he'll be on with us at five today. Uh, we'll we'll uh, uh, we'll we'll see if we can get Sonny Smith back at four thirty today. So a fun show, and uh, as as we welcome Justin in, Justin, it is it is a very important yeah. weekend for Auburn football. And it's also a a good measuring stick for Auburn basketball this yeah, weekend. It's going to be a it's going to be a huge weekend when you think about the recruiting uh, stakes of this weekend for Auburn football. You uh, would think that in the next few days Auburn finalizes their football staff under Hugh Freeze, and then basketball um, a, a huge matchup, biggest game of the year so far against Memphis in Atlanta, which has been really good to Auburn, and you know they pick up a commitment today from Peyton. Yeah, speaking Marshall. of huge. <laughs> That is, I, that is a I, I large a young se- man. I could do a whole segment on but, Peyton Marshall, but, but he's not nearly as large as he was. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that's the it's thing. Wild. People that see the pictures of him now go, "Man, what a mountain of a man!" It's like, well, I don't know what what would you what's what's bigger than a mountain? Uh, I have no uh, because because what what has he dropped about seventy or eighty pounds? Yeah, he's he's down you know, down to three ten down to three ten, and he is. He's a, he's a whole lot of fun and carries it pretty well. 20, he carries it really well. I think he moves really well. Obviously, for a dude who's who's three hundred pounds, and then yeah, I mean, big pig pickup for Auburn in twenty twenty four. And that twenty twenty four class is shaping up. It could potentially be just massive for Auburn. You know, twenty twenty three, you get Aiden Holloway signed. You might not get much more than that outside of Holloway, and then you and, and transfers it's transfer portal. Twenty twenty four though. Woo! I mean, they they are in a good position. Auburn's in a really good position to clean up and. Of course, it starts in Atlanta, where it, where it always does for Auburn basketball, and that, of course, is why Bruce loves playing in Atlanta, loves talking about, yeah. uh, you know, spreading the Auburn, you know, you know, featuring the Auburn brand there in Atlanta. We'll talk more about the Auburn Memphis matchup. We can talk more about Peyton Marshall. We'll get into Auburn football recruiting, coaching staff possibilities, and anything that you'd like to talk about here on this Friday drive. Uh, let's first let you know that once again, hour number one of the drive is brought to you by the uh, good folks at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, 
where you can call us with your, your thoughts, questions, comments, and the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can find however you listen to your podcasts. So, uh, so yeah, where, where do we want to start today? You want to, want to go ahead and stick with a little basketball here Bobby, at the start? Bobby Petrino. Well, we can get into that too. Yeah, uh, what a staff that could potentially be. What what a a volatile a rogues gallery. Drive, of, it, it could be one of the biggest explosions you've ever seen. Yeah. It's drive show policy <coughs> that when Bobby Petrino was in the headlines, he jumps to the front of the line. And this time, the rumor that that is, it seems like it has legs. Yeah. that Bobby Petrino may be a candidate to join Texas A&M as quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator and run the offense for Jimbo Fisher to well, we, take over Jimbo <coughs> Fisher's offense. We heard last week that he had reached out expressing interest in being the offensive coordinator and maybe uh, maybe Jimbo's not uh, uh, n- not having uh, as much success or, or able to hire someone as quickly as possible. Is, is there is there any crossover with them at, at no. any point? I mean, I know they no. both worked at Auburn at one right, point. Right, but not, but, not, not but, near the same time. Yeah, no, I just, uh, that one's, between that and DJ Durkin as your defense coordinator and also having Steve Adazio on your staff, like, that is a, that is a wild group of Man, that, of that is some volatile chemicals to, yeah. uh, to be having in the, in the, in the same container. Just perfect for Texas A&M, which just wants things to happen more than anything oh, else. Things like will they, happen. They are, they are desperate for something. And we'll get, to, we'll get to Ed in a moment, but the fact that we're not talking about coordinators for Auburn suggests that there isn't, like, huge news on that front in the, in the last couple no, of days. No, I don't think we're the expectation there. is that there's anything going to happen before the weekend. Well, I mean, the weekend's here. Before the end of the weekend, as far as coordinators. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems to be pretty light on, on news. Um, I know that you know the the talk of Charles Kelly. You know he hasn't been announced or anything at Colorado, and I know that's been been something Auburn people have been keeping an eye on. And I mean, I'd, I'd still keep an eye on Travis Williams as well, uh, just because that that's the other name you've heard kind of most of the process on defense, offense. It seems you now are trending more towards in the direction of assistance with you know recruiting or some sort of background like that, and and Hugh Freeze you know maintaining his his control of the offense. Those two guys, though really go against what, what Hugh Freeze said at his press conference uh, when he talked about X's and O's guys. Mm-hmm. I would not consider Charles Kelly nor Travis to, to that to be their strong point. Recruiting yeah. is going to be the strong points for those guys. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, and Ed gets us started here this afternoon. Hey, Ed. Hey, guys. Uh, you kind of... Uh, you kind of just answered a little bit. You know, I, I heard I, I wasn't where I in a position where I could call during the last show uh, with, you know, Carter and Jacob. But uh, I, th- I thought they had mentioned uh, Charles Kelly, and, yeah, I thought I had read that, you know, possibly he was going to Colorado. So did you say that he, he still may be, or or is that not I mean, right? ES- ESPN saying sources from both sides, Colorado and sources close to Charles Kelly, say that mm-hmm. he's going to be the D.C. at Colorado. Uh, so, sources well, close to Charles yeah, Kelly think, say will, that? I is think, that what ESPN I, says? I think, yeah, I mean, I'll read the Chris Lowe story okay. again, but I mean, when they're... That, that, that one's an interesting yeah. one to me, because I can see sources close to Colorado. Here's, here's Ed, here's what I think is going on. Okay. I think Charles <laughs> Kelly is ready to be a defensive coordinator. I think, <laughs> I think Charles Kelly would 
would be very interested in the Auburn job. I don't know that he's at the top of Hugh Freeze's list. Again, I don't know that, but that's my feeling. But the other thing is, here something I do feel is that if he's leaving, Nick Saban doesn't want him to leave right here in the middle of recruiting. So, so just yeah. to, just to confirm that the first paragraph of the Charles of the uh, of the Chris Lowe story that was published on December seventh is quote. Alabama associate defensive coordinator and safeties coach Charles Kelly is joining Deion Sanders at Colorado as the Buffalo's defense coordinator. Sources to ESPN confirmed on Wednesday night. So they didn't say who the sources were close to, mm-hmm. but ESPN is right. You know, they, they feel like they have enough sources there with the Chris Lowe story to report it. I yeah. think there could be a there could be a reversal at this oh, yeah. point, but it feels like at this stage, if Charles Kelly wasn't the defensive coordinator at Colorado, it would represent a reversal from from where <laughs> things are right now because the story's you know pr- pretty much everywhere. And you haven't seen. We looked it yeah. up. It is the word. We haven't seen a refutation of that story mm-hmm. from, from anyone close to Charles yeah. Kelly yet. Right, right. I, I, uh, one, uh, one more thing on, uh, I'll just ask you this. I, I think he went to Auburn, so I thought that. Yeah, he did. He played for Coach Die. Oh, all right, sir. And and the other thing I was going to ask you about is, is they were talking about uh, uh, Chris Kiffin, uh, Lane's brother at, mm-hmm. at, from the Browns. That, could be a possibility, and I didn't know if y'all, you know, if that was any, you know, if that, if that was just kind of pipe dreams or, or you know, if, that, if that's been reported anywhere. Well, I don't know about reported, but I think that's the first name. has that, been mentioned that maybe That may have been the first name mm-hmm. that uh, that we heard. And the, the holdup, the problem there is the NFL season. NFL teams don't generally yeah. like their coaches to leave before the season's over. But if, you know, if a team's eliminated – then, uh, then it's easier to, to make some changes. They're pretty close. Kiffin, Kiffin was on the staff for Ole Miss yes, when Hugh Freeze was the coach. And uh, Chris uh, Kiffin's yeah. the guy that signed Robert Kandichi and Laquan Treadwell. And <laughs> they're, I mean, they're actually on the they were on the Arkansas State staff together. Uh-huh. He came with uh, with, with right. Hugh Freeze from Arkansas State. Uh, NFL regular season doesn't end until January eighth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would think that you wouldn't see a lot of defections from NFL staffs to college teams. Before then, unless the teams are like at the cellar or there's already been a coaching there's change. The, there's the word of Liam yeah. Cohen's going back to Kentucky uh, today as well. That was an interesting mm-hmm. one. But yeah, it's like, the Rams are pretty much done, even though they came back and won last night. Uh, one more thing I was just going to, and I'll throw it in. You just appreciate y'all. Let me take a minute, but uh, I'll make it quick. The, you know, I think Bruce Pearl's been kind of aggravated. You know, most of his big men lately have been you know underclassmen and undersized and the big guy they just got the 310 pound i think he i think he's got him a force right there the guy to georgia but but anyway guys war eagle appreciate the call uh, at 334-321-1390 and, and also a defensive coordinator we mentioned you were talking about x's and o's and x's and o's guy that has been talked about is zach arnett absolutely yeah that that is the x's and o's kind of fit It'd be very interesting to see if you'd be doesn't he have like a two million dollar buyout yeah he's yeah. A, he 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 did such a good job that first season john cohen would know the buyout against, yeah i guess he would yeah yes he would he would have given it to him uh yeah it, he did such a good job his first season at Mississippi State, and then the last couple of years have been really solid defense, especially for an area. He is a young, energetic guy. He's he's thirty six, mm-hmm. and uh, coming from the Rocky Long three through five at uh, San Diego State. Uh, Rocky Long, I, I would Rocky think Long's he version. may be. He it just feels like he and Chris Kiffin are the guys that Hugh wants the most. That just that's just the way it feels to me. I could see that. I could definitely see that, and I think that would also, at least in the case of Kiffin, explain why you haven't really heard right. anything. And 
I don't think it's hurt Auburn a ton. You don't want to just go out and get a guy for the sake of getting a guy um, at this point. And then, like, right now, you know, even on both sides of the ball, like, you've got most of your coordinators reportedly – I mean, your coaches reportedly said it's just a matter of just plugging in your coordinators. And you're also point. able to use guys like uh, Trevon Reed mm-hmm. and, and Kendall who, Simmons uh, on the road. Who tweeted earlier today that he is going to be staying on staff at Auburn, Trevon right. Reed. If we're talking about uh, coaches that are currently coaching elsewhere in college football – is there the chance that they might wait until after the early signing period to make the switch from their current job to Auburn? Like yeah, that, there's that a chance. Because be I would look it's at sure not. It's, uh, that's definitely not unheard of. No. I mean, and because uh, like like you said, there'd be coaches. Charles Kelly would be may, maybe in this category of someone that, that they might want to stick around until the early I don't signing. Think, yeah, I, you know, I, I wonder what, what the situation would be there. Mm-hmm. And then there we heard talk of. Uh, well, actually, it's interesting that I used that word because it was Grant Hurd, uh, the the receivers coach at UCF, who was uh, who was uh, the, the offensive who was the wide receivers coach at Ole Miss for much of Hugh Freeze's tenure there. He's currently working for Gus Malzahn and, and Chip Kelly on the UCF staff. You would, you would think if there's a... Chip if, Lindsay. If Chip Lindsay, yeah. Uh, if you would think if there's still an opening maybe after the early signing period, Grant Hurd might, might get the... Uh, also heard Jacob Peeler, the yeah. uh, Missouri, Missouri wide receiver, who, mm-hmm. has, who has been on an absolute tear in recruiting mm-hmm. over the years. Before we get to break, since we're talking coaches anyway, I mean, the carousel with, with Satterfield going to Cincinnati and Louisville hiring... Louisville, Louisville had wrong. the best speed run I've ever yeah. seen of a of a coach in carousel, they got rid of a coach they didn't necessarily want to keep him keep around. Didn't have to pay a buyout. The other team paid a buyout for it, and then they went and got the guy they wanted all along. They wanted him more, yeah, more, more than they anyone. wanted him the oh, first yeah, time. No around, kidding. And Brom just didn't want to jump that quickly. He, from yeah, Purdue, he, he, he which hadn't, I hadn't done everything he wanted to there at Purdue. Getting over to the Big Ten championship game this year, uh, and he could go okay. I've done enough now. He can go home. And now Purdue something of a blank canvas. There's rumors of Jim Leonard, uh, who mm-hmm. is not sticking around at Wisconsin. Uh, there are rumors of saw some Dan website. Babers. Uh, Dan Mullen uh, Dan was Mullen. in there. Uh, yep. uh, Ryan Waters was, I think, uh, Ryan Walters, Walters the, yeah. uh, the defense coordinator at, at Illinois. Uh, there, there are any, any number of directions that uh, uh, that that Purdue uh, could decide to go with their uh, with their new uh, with, with their new opening at head coach. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We're just underway here on the Friday drive. Anthony, if you get a chance, give us a call back. We uh, we lost him. We'll get to our first break. Stick with us here on the drive. The drive continues. 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 The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN one zero six seven online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call three three four three two one one three nine zero toll free at eight 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 three eight two seven five zero two or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon, Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. While we got a minute, Justin, I mean, we we're talking about it. There's a lot going on. Uh, what what's been uh, yeah. uh, what what what's up right now on the Observer? What's coming up? Yeah, big mailbag today talking about coordinator searches, transfer portal, roster management, recruiting. It's a lot of basketball as well. We'll have a big preview tomorrow uh, in the newsletter of the Auburn Memphis game. Uh, you know, we had podcasts this week. Did a story. Did stories this week on um, Dylan Cardwell. I mean, his numbers this year have been off the charts. If you dig into them, uh, and then uh, did a story that I really enjoyed earlier this week uh, with the, with both of them now going on to the NFL about how Derek Hall and Colby Wooden will kind of go down. As I mean, I, the numbers call it. It's one of the most productive defensive line duos Auburn's ever had. I know they didn't get the team success. But you talk about two guys that meant so much for the program, both on and off the field. 
Uh, so that was a fun, that was a fun one to do. So there's a ton of stuff at the Observer. We'll have a ton of stuff over the weekend next week with basketball and football. Uh, AuburnObserver.com. It's six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. Sign up, and if you're really into basketball, there's going to be a lot because I am going to the USC Washington games next week. Hey, um, so, yeah, so we'll have coverage on the ground in LA and uh, and, and in Seattle. That's so, cool. how, how, how long are you, uh, you going to do some sightseeing while you're in? Ho- those, those hoping cities? to. So the, the the main reason why I'm going on this trip, I've done LA plenty of times, um, but I've never been to Seattle, and it's like, hey, I got a work reason to go to Seattle for the first time. So um, getting to Seattle a couple days early and and uh, scoping it out a little bit before Auburn plays on that Wednesday night. So got Atlanta this weekend. Auburn comes back home to play Georgia State next Wednesday, and then the West Coast swing. Should be a lot of fun. When I when I moved to Los Angeles, the hotel I stayed at while I was looking for a place for like three or four days was right next door to the Galen Center. It's, mm-hmm. it, I mean, like literally next. I mean, there's the parking. There's parking for the Galen Center in this in this hotel. And I walked around the arena one of the days because the uh, you know it was open to the to the public. And it's really. I mean, it's it's really really nice. They used to play at the uh, they used to play at the arena that's been bulldozed for LAFCs. Mm-hmm. Our stadium downtown, and they moved USC basketball moved to the Galen Center in the early 2000s or something, and it's it's relatively new, last 20 yeah. years or so, and it's a very very cool yeah. uh, basketball arena. And then yeah, you'll love Seattle. Yeah, looking forward go, go to catch it. A, go look- catch a fish, right? They're going to throw a fish at you in yeah. the market, and you're going to yeah. going to catch it. So they I'm hoping there. so. Kraken game. I'm going. To, yeah, I'm I'm going to the Kraken game on Tuesday, hey. Tuesday night. So looking forward to that. Um, only been to one NHL game, and it was me standing in the standing in the aisles for a, a Preds game. So I'm looking forward to the Kraken because apparently that that new they renovated the key arena, and it's super super nice. So anyway, going to have a ton of basketball stuff. And then obviously with with football, uh, we'll mention also right there. Uh, it's not the Bill Cameron depth chart, but I do have my scholarship chart uh, broken down position by position. You can check that out. Uh, subscribers get access to it, and it's a live one that I've been updating pretty much how, every day. This how week. shocked were you when you looked at that defensive line? Very. I mean, I knew it was low, but I, I didn't think it was that low. See, people, I mean, and, and yeah, Auburn is really, really low on the offensive line, mm-hmm. but it's unbelievable how low. I mean, Dylan Brooks is the only edge. Yep. Uh, and, and, and he, I believe Tabichio Coley is the only guy who's listed as a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and my goodness, if Marcus Harris were to leave, oh yeah, uh, it'd be Jason Joseph, Jeffrey Embine. That's it. In terms of experience, that's yeah. it. You, you shared something on social media earlier today, Justin, about just sort of position breakdowns in the portal. It was, yeah. Someone else had a tweet about that. And it, it raises the question of how realistic is it for a team to make over the line of scrimmage Via the transfer portal and high school it's easier recruiting. to do on the defensive line than the offensive line. It is. It is right now. Yeah. No question. Offensive line. It was uh, my buddy Max Olson, who is you know used to work with him at the athletic. He's the best uh, at covering the portal. He pointed out it was a position by position breakdown of the numbers in the transfer portal right now. Here's the thing: offensive line, you have to have five of them at a time. That's like the only position group where you have to have five by rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are. And that is the fourth most uh, populated position group in the right. portal right now. Uh, defensive backs higher, wide receivers higher, and I believe linebacker or defensive line has feels a, has like an edge. quarterbacks, but a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and there's quarterbacks uh, the top heaviest position, like the most. Well, there's like seventy quarterback. The there's seventy quarterbacks in the portal, and yeah. there's only like 111 offensive <laughs> linemen, right? And so, you know, that's what I keep telling with Auburn fans. It's like, yes. Auburn, I think Auburn's best case scenario in the transfer portal on the offensive line is get at least two guys, two guys that you think you could start for you next year, especially at tackle. And then if you can get more, that's great. But you're not going to rebuild your offensive line through the portal. Nobody does. Nobody does. And the thing about offensive linemen is 
like if you're good, you're probably not moving because it's such a developmental position and there's such a value to it. But two, if you are good and you're moving, everybody wants you. And it's a situation often, oftentimes where the rich get richer, right? You know, Alabama goes out and plucks elite offensive linemen in classes. You know, they make that step up. So if you're trying to rebuild for Auburn, it's going to be a multi-year process of getting high school guys in, getting JUCO guys in. But, yeah, try to hit the portal as much as you can. But if you're sitting here thinking that Auburn's going to get, like, four or five guys in the transfer portal on the offensive line, I think you're going to be very, very disappointed. I think two or three is, like, best-case scenario. Oh, yeah. If If you get, I mean... You would hope you could find a couple of tackles. Yeah, I mean that's what you really. And you have can go to juco do. route for that as well. Yes, yeah. that's true. there's there's the hope I think with some folks that you know with with offenses you can just add water the right quarterback and the white the the right wide receivers and that can sort of that that, that can spark things even even when the offensive line is substandard and you know I, I think in in the case of Auburn they're going to need to inject talent on the offensive line. How surprised would you be to see Hugh Freeze stand pat at quarterback? In the portal and go into next season with Ashford. No, well, from the portal, you go Ashford, Holden, and a and a, an incoming what two incoming freshmen? Would that be? Well, they uh, got one incoming freshman at the moment. They got one incoming and, freshman and he who, not, who he might not who, stick. Yeah, 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 one incoming freshman who hasn't been hearing from Auburn lately. You you would think Hugh Freeze is bringing in <laughs> a a veteran quarterback and a, a I would high say school, and a high school freshman probably optimally a, a one year guy and a high school. Signing. That would be optimal. And I think also it's like the interesting thing with Auburn in the in the portal is yeah, quarterback is like, okay, how many of these quarterbacks in the portal are you going to like say, hey, you're our starter, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you have Robbie Ashford, a healthy Robbie Ashford still has a lot of potential. Knowing that Robbie Ashford is a good fit for what Hugh Freeze does on offense, and also knowing that like I mean, how many of those guys out there would you promise heaven and earth to, right? There is no Caleb Williams in the portal right now Mm -hmm. at quarterback. There's some really good ones. Like Devin Leary's awesome. I don't know if Devin Leary's a perfect fit for um, Auburn's offense. Spencer Sanders probably. Spencer Sanders is Sims kid from Georgia Tech. Yeah, and those guys have, like, especially Sims are like, to me, Jeff Sims is like, he's like the, uh, he's like the older version of Robbie Ashford. Yeah. Where it's like the passing numbers aren't fantastic, but he can run the ball, and like mm-hmm. you can see where the potential is there within the right system. Um, you I'd, know. Lo- I'd love to see a Luke Altmyer and Robbie Ashford battle. Altmyer hasn't played all that much, but I mean, he looked great in the bowl game going in for Matt Corral. But, and I wonder, I mean, maybe he wouldn't be the only option you bring in in that situation. How many, years, how many years has he got left, though? Altmyer was class. A couple, he was class he? of 21. Yeah, so, so he's, got, he's got more. I, I just think, I really don't, I really don't think that. That Hugh Freeze is going to go out and look for somebody that's got two or three years left at quarterback. So you think the hope might be that if Robbie Ashford were to lose the competition, there would still be the path for Robbie Ashford to, yeah. or, or there, there'd be the path for Robbie Ashford to take over after the one year. Like maybe Robbie Ashford's a backup for a year. If if Auburn were to bring right. in, a, if Auburn were to bring in a one year starter, right? You you could have that that quarterback could start with Ashford backing him up. Or who, then, yeah, whoever and, wins the battle. Starts. Yes, yeah, right. and, sure. and, and then it's not Robbie. Yeah, and, potentially, no. potentially, you could have you could have an incoming one year option at quarterback starting, and then Ashford yeah. and Holden battling behind him. And, and then those guys battling to be the starting quarterback a year later with Ashford benefiting from the experience of, of being the backup. I sort of I see that path, you know, all, you know as as an alternate path to Robbie Ashford being the starting quarterback. And I also I'm wondering I think this guy's going to end up going closer to home. 
But I do wonder who's going to take a shot on DJ on the way. Like, and just say, oh, yeah, yeah. I think he goes, change the scenery. We can yeah. fix you. I think, like, I, I think I already said the name of the guy when I meant to say Chip Lindsay. I think, I think that's the fella who's who's going to take a chance on. Because DTR's done. Yeah, he's got to be. Yeah. He's been there eight years. DTR's got to be. Heck, Robbie Ashford won SEC. It was SEC all freshman, even though this was his third year of college football. So, I mean. Who knows? And I could just connect some dots to where yeah. Uyagalele and Chip Kelly, closer to his hometown in California. Uh, that would make it, a ton it, of sense. I think, offense, yeah. yeah. But I but I think I could see a really good offensive coach quarterback guy saying, Oh, I can fix that dude. He didn't have it at Clemson, but I can fix him. And well, I think Hugh Freeze is one of the guys that feels like he can do that. He could definitely do that. All right, we need to get to our bottom of the hour break. We're gonna check in with Coach Sonny Smith on the other side. Stick with us here on the Friday Drive. to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson here in the studio. We have Drew once again at the controls. And we're pleased, really pleased to be joined uh, by Hall of Famer and, of course, Auburn color analyst extraordinaire. And that is the one and only Coach Sonny Smith. Sonny, how are you doing today? I'm good. Hope you guys, hope you guys are. Oh, we're, we're, we're doing fine. Uh, are you, you on the road to Atlanta? Yeah, we're already here. We just uh, got in and uh, getting ready to have a team dinner in a little bit and uh, get ready for tomorrow. Yeah, this this is going to be a, a fun one tomorrow. It's uh, uh, I haven't seen Memphis but just a, a few minutes, but it appears to be a couple of similar teams. <laughs> I think you hit it right on the head right there. There, there are two teams that play a lot of people. There are two teams that play up-tempo. Uh, they live off their defense and it's really good, by the way. And it's, uh, it's a game to me that, uh, should be really interested to everybody because of the style of the two teams are very similar. They may shoot a little quicker than, than we do. Uh, and, but they will play the same number of guys and they only, they have two go-to guys where we might have a little bit more of go-to people than they do, but they have two guys that are terrific. Yeah, now uh, you know the, the Auburn still unbeaten, one of just a few teams in the country left unbeaten. And man, what a what a great situation it is to have people complaining that Auburn's only number eleven and they're one of a few unbeaten teams in the country. That just tells you where the bar has been set by Bruce Pearl now with this Auburn program. Well, it's it, it's always going to be high. Number one, he's he's a to rent a terrific recruiter. He gets the right people to fit his system. Once he gets them, he coaches them extremely well. Uh, you know, it's hard. Uh, I, I was thinking this about Bruce Pearl recently. It's hard to play nine or ten guys, give them a lot of minutes, and, and have a happy team. And uh, he's able to do that. He plays. He, he plays a lot of people. Plays get a lot of a lot of minutes. You can look at all three or four play a little bit more than others, and they stay happy, and they win, and they play hard. They really do. 
Are there, are there any? Um, is it, look, looking at the way this team has played so far, uh, is, is there anything that concerns you on the offensive end? You know, there, there have been games where it's more of a struggle than, than than other games. I'm wondering if there's anything you've seen so far that that you think could be a, a lingering problem throughout the season. Well, you can say this: we don't shoot it really well. We shoot the ball good, but. Uh, not consistent, and mm-hmm. I say that on the on the nights that uh, it's going to be a struggle is the nights that we don't shoot, and there's nights that we don't shoot uh, as a team that don't, don't shoot the ball extremely well. If somebody beats us, I think that's where it's going to be. I don't think they're going to beat us. Uh, I don't think our defense is going to get us beat. I don't think foul trouble is going to get us beat because we play a lot of players, but uh, we don't shoot the ball consistently all the time, and one of those nights where not none of the threes are going and a little bit on the, uh, on, on the drives is not getting as much. We might be vulnerable to somebody. Uh, but we play a lot of people, and that has helped us from a standpoint of having this guy sit out a long time because he's in foul trouble. Because somebody goes in for you and they give you solid contributions, and you so you can say we're living off our depth. And I'd say that might, that might be a word to add for the Auburn Tigers, living off your depth. One of the things about uh, playing so many people, we had uh, a caller the other day that was wondering, is it uh, a bit of a concern that Auburn really doesn't have a go-to guy, the, the, that player that you know that's who you've got to get the ball to uh, if the shot clock's winding down, perhaps a game on the line, something like that. Uh, I, I don't think Auburn, you know, Auburn, Auburn doesn't really have that guy. And Bruce has had... A lot of those guys through the years. Yes, he has. And in this game, it's a go-to guy is going to have to be a guard with the ball in his hand because our guards handle the ball a lot more than anybody else. Now, you can say guards, you can say perimeter people. Our our, our go-to guys have got to be a perimeter player, I think, because uh, a lot, the ball is handled a lot by the guards. They drive the lanes a lot by the guards. and uh, I would say it's got to be somebody that's got the ball in their hands a little bit more. But I think this is the kind of team where you're going to have balanced scoring and you don't have to have a go-to guy as much. Now, I think, uh, I think for it's all over, we got to show that we can score down in the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we could run into a problem on the nights that they shut out all three of our guys. Now, you know, Dylan's not going to look to score. He's going to look to block shots, play defense, and be an all-around uh, talent. But he's not going to shoot the ball very much. And you say, well, he shoots 80%, but he doesn't shoot anything but layups. And uh, as long as he does what he does, I think that's great. But I, I think I think it's going to be awful hard to beat the Auburn Tigers unless they hit a night where they're not shooting collectively. How are these post defenders so effective? Because Dylan Cardwell's numbers per minute are, or per possession Albert's are blocking more shots than they the did a year ago. Yeah, jo- Jonai Broom uh, has, has fit right in. And, and Auburn, like you said, is blocking more shots than they did a year ago. And, when they led the nation. Mm-hmm. And they led the nation and sent uh, a guy to the NBA who's blocking shots on a rare, on a regular basis for the for the Utah Jazz now. Yeah, What, what is it about this post-defense that's well, so difficult for other teams? You hit it right on the spot when you said they'd do it with more than one guy. Now, we did it a year ago with one guy who was unbelievable. And now, as they tell me, I don't keep up with it as much as I should, but he's doing well in the pros and doing mm-hmm. the same thing. Well, the thing about it, we wouldn't block shots as a team. And if you, and Dylan, for instance, that's about all he looks to do is defend that rim and run the court. 
make his guy play him, and uh, he he plays his role perfectly. And he's not a scorer, but if you if you get him the ball for a dunk, he's going to he's not going to miss many. So I think he he's got his role defined perfectly by himself and the coach. Uh, well, and I, now, Janai, uh, uh, I, I think had played hurt for a while. I'm anxious to see when he's got totally healthy how he's going to do. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that, that's exactly where I was going, Sonny. I was going to say you know I, we we haven't seen Janai look the way. Uh, he did last year as an opponent, and when when I had a chance to see him a year ago, he looked more confident. I'm sure the injury has had something to do with that. He's had some really good looks and made some really good moves, hasn't been sure. able to to finish around the basket, which has been a little bit of a surprise to me, but I, I'm sure part of that has to do, at least um, probably a pretty good part, has to do with the injury. I think he lost a lot of lift, not a lot. But he lost consistent lift when he had that injury. If you watch him, he doesn't—he doesn't get up very high on his jumps, and he doesn't jump extremely quick. But I think once that injury is out of his mind and put behind him, I think we're going to see a better Janai. I really do, and I think he's got good hands, uh, and he's not afraid to take a shot. No, uh, and I think that that's a good thing. You need to have a postman throw it into him and throw it back out there all the time. Not that way, you know, like Dylan did that, but everybody knew what he was going to do. But you got to have somebody that's, that's got a little uh, of addition to his game was pass, dribble, and shoot. And I think Janai has the potential to do that. Talking with uh, Coach Sonny Smith here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Well, Sonny, we, we didn't have a chance uh, to talk with you last Friday when you mentioned uh, Janai not, not uh, you know, being – uh, a guy who skies a lot there at center, man, lost, lost one of, one of your players. It was, uh, uh, one of my favorite guys to watch. The, the big smooth lefty and Jeff Moore, I mean, uh, leaving us at, at such an early age. But for those folks that didn't get a chance to see Jeff, um, he's a guy that you had to play there at the post. Um, I, I don't know that that's, he would have said that was his natural position. But boy, he was—he no. had such a nice touch, and was a oh, guy yeah. that you could just count on. Consistency was one of the strengths of, of Jeff Moore. Yeah, really. I—I I tell everyone. I don't—I don't know if they believe this as as much as I do. But had he not broken his hand in the Georgia Tech game with the rim snapped back on his hand when he had breakaways, mm-hmm. uh, I think he would have been a seven or eight year pro. Because he had a great touch. Oh yeah, and uh, and I was looking at one of the record books. So he's one of the for one of the many, not many players that scored over twenty a double figure for the games five straight times, uh, double figure rebounds and points in the same game. He was really and before he got hurt, I saw I saw potential in him making it to the pros. He could go out on the. Uh, at the top of the key, he could put the ball on the floor as well as jump up and shoot it if you if if you backed off of it. And he had great hands, and he was an unselfish player. And that, he was a tremendous loss to us when he broke his hand at Georgia Tech. Somebody said, "How well do you think this team could have been?" Now you can say all these things after the over, but I thought they had national championship potential until Jeff got hurt, and it kind of changed everything on the way we had to play. Yeah, that group back then, Sonny, I thought was one of the most talented, if not the most talented groups I'd seen at Auburn until Bruce 
<laughs> brought in some of the players here the last couple oh, yeah. of years. But I mean, it's it's one of the all time best just assemblages I thought of talent that 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 we've seen at Auburn. Yeah, somebody said, well, what's what is the one thing maybe we might not have had the depth that you that say that like Bruce's teams have had. He's got great depth on his team. If you got depth, you know, and you you don't have to fight the foul trouble thing. And back in the day. Uh, before the fishing got to be so good, like I think fishing's great now. I think it's a little bit uh, shaky at times back when we were going until they organized the fishers in the SEC. So you had to have great depth to keep the team on the floor. You fell them all out. And we didn't have that all the time. Um, uh, Auburn and Memphis coming up on, on Saturday. What, uh, um, you know, what are you looking for? What does Auburn need to do to uh, beat those other Tigers? Well, they, I think these two teams are play alike. They run, they press, they uh, shoot a lot of jumpers, they take a lot of threes. I, I think it's just going to come down to uh, how well the depth contributes to the game. You know, you look at them and they play, uh, two of their guys score a lot of points. And you look at ours, it's very similar in some ways That in that. So I think it's going to come down to how well the depth on one team plays to outdo the other. And if that's the way go, that's the way I look at it from having seen Memphis two or three times. Memphis is capable of scoring points in bunches. And I think you got to keep them out of rhythm. If they get in the rhythm, I think they're hard to beat. Memphis and Auburn tomorrow from Atlanta. That's at four o'clock on ESPN two, two hours earlier on ABC, number eight, Alabama, number one, Houston playing uh, in the, uh, in, in the Fertitta Center on the campus of the Houston Cougars. Uh, coach, have you, have you seen much of either of those teams? And, and can you offer a, a preview of Alabama and Houston tomorrow? Well, the first thing come to my mind, if you had to play them, would be fear. They both teams are terrific. They're, they're fast paced. They play great defense. They really get after you and have more than one or two scores. They can, they can really score the ball. And I, uh, I would hate, I hate to have to play Alabama. We won't be playing Houston. I hate to have to play either one of them because I think they're solid and they're both coached extremely well. Alabama and Auburn both. That, that's 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 going to be something to see. Yeah, it's 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 great to uh, to to have it. That's a throwback to the to the days when uh, when when you and you and Wimp and uh, and Gene had things going here. I mean, it's it's great to have that back in the state. Yeah, and I think it's back too. You know, uh, we we don't hear as much about say UAB down here, but they're having a terrific year. Alabama's having a terrific year. We're having a terrific year. It's. Uh, uh, and there may be others. I haven't looked at South Alabama. Scott, some of the Scott other Cross teams. and the Scott Cross and the Troy Trojans are, are having a, Come on, a per, yeah, per, Troy. Per I did coach. read about that. Yeah, that's true. This basketball is in good shape in the state of Alabama. And you know, one thing I kept noticing, and I, I don't think any of us talk very much about players not leaving the state. They're that's staying right. with some of the schools in the state, and we're getting the better players to stay here, and we're going out and getting players from other. Area, so I think basketball is good in state Alabama. Yeah, that, I think that's uh, that's a very safe thing to say. It's probably a little better than good. Sonny, really appreciate you spending a little time with us. It's always great when we have the opportunity. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on with you, fellas. All right, have a great broadcast. By the way, I was going to say uh, tomorrow you're talking about the games. UAB goes to West Virginia tomorrow. 
Ooh, so that is okay. that would be a lot of fun. Jelly Walker against that against that West Virginia mm-hmm. defense. And a little little preview of a uh, little preview if you want to check it out of uh, what Auburn's got to go to when they go to Morgantown in a, in, in a few weeks. Troy's off to a uh, Troy's off to a good start. I would have thought maybe you know I was, I was checking the net rankings here to see oh well, maybe maybe Troy's at the top of the Sun Belt in in net ranking. They're just outside the top 100, which is good for Troy's men considering the last few seasons. Uh, Southern Miss is 23. In the net rankings, Southern Miss, Southern Miss was undefeated for a very right, long right time. now. James Madison's in the top fifty, and uh, and Marshall just jumped into the top fifty as well. So Sunbelt's got three top fifty net. I know it's early, uh, but but the the net rankings take into account who you've played, and for the Sunbelt to have three top fifty net ranking teams right now yeah. is a, is a pretty remarkable we, testament to the quality of that. We league. talk about how the Sunbelt did a great job with their expansion when it comes to football, but I mean. Marshall has had some really good runs in basketball. Southern Miss not normally a great team, no. but they've had some they've had some recent <laughs> success. And J- JMU is the surprise one to me because they're not a team you usually think about very often with with basketball, and they're 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 off to a great start. Those are, those are three new arrivals to the league at mm-hmm. one, two, and three in the net rankings. Which I mean, you got to you got to think the other men's basketball coaches in the summer like who invited these guys to the party? Because yeah, the top three teams in that conference are uh, are our teams that, that are in their their first year as, as Sunbelt Conference members. Our thanks to Sonny Smith for joining us here on The Drive. We'll get to our final break of hour number one. We'll reopen the phone lines. Come on in and join us here on The Drive. The 8th Annual Christmas Community Concert Series, sponsored by the Music Ministry of Auburn United Methodist Church, continues this Sunday with the 22nd Annual Christmas Festival Symphonic Pops Concert. Featuring the festival choir and orchestra performing holiday favorites from the sacred to the pops with dazzling lighting and beautiful scenery. The concert is free this Sunday, December 11th at 6 p.m. in the sanctuary at AUMC. Details at christmasinauburn.com. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of hour number one of The Drive here on this Friday about-to-be evening. Looks like another, I mean, it's going to be another sort of balmy weekend uh, before it, it may get a little cooler next week. So so enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops on a Friday on a Friday in December, for on December 9th. It's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't feel like we're, we're entering the, the final few weeks of 2022. No, it feels like we may be entering the final few weeks. I mean, when you've got 80-degree <laughs> weather... And, in you know mid December, you heard it reported here on the drive first. <laughs> Rapture forthcoming. No, uh, the uh, no. It, it's uh, I would imagine, and I, again, there's a lot of different factors at play when you're trying to recruit college athletes. I would imagine the weather this weekend's going to help. Oh, if you're it can't trying to hurt. Convince, I mean, Justin, you would think that What's kids. Up? Well, you recruiting. You would well, think yeah. the, the weather this weekend would be better a next po- weekend. I mean, yeah, you to have kids on campus, you would think that would help for uh, you know for, for Auburn trying to get oh, sure. people, especially if they're going, uh, you know, if they're visiting Big Ten country. If they've the, been the somewhere time, in the yeah. cold weather, it's like, well, look what it's like here in December. Yeah, it's down to you know you and and BC or Pitt or something, and you're uh, you got an irrecreate trying trying to flip a couple of Michigan State commits. It's like, yeah, you want to go back to well, Lansing, and that's and that's something you know we talked about when when we had the news about uh, Wesley McGriff was. 
I guess, a benefit of recruiting or, or a benefit of pulling coaches away from other programs is that especially if those programs have experienced other types of, up, up, of upheaval, Scott Satterfield mm-hmm. leaving the head coach at Louisville, you would think, and, and I believe I've read that Auburn is in on one or two Louisville players that have gone into the portal defensively that might follow Wesley McGriff from Louisville to Auburn. You'd think that would make sense with any of the anybody you were to poach away as a coach from another staff, you know, the option would be there for maybe also, a player or two to, uh, to, to follow. Also, Louisville had a really good recruiting class that I know is taking some taking some hits right now just with the coaching change. So maybe there might be a might be an avenue there as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. Scott Satterfield feels like the kind of guy that might take his, you know, he would take an entire recruiting class and a bunch of players with him if he had the option to do so. Some of those players at Louisville might not be following Scott Satterfield. Yeah. No. I mean, Jeff Brom is, is, is like coming it. home. I, I don't see that that's going to... Yeah, that's going to hurt them. And, and there also the seem there it also seemed to be one of those situations where there wasn't a ton of grieving uh, from the Louisville side in the no, aftermath I'm of Scott you, Satterfield. They deciding. played that better than anybody. Period. And I think the whatever the situation was that got Sat, Scott Satterfield to Cincinnati, um, like I think Louisville knew and knew that they had had Brom, and it was, a, it was just like like perfect timing for him because. The last time they had an opening, it was like, oh, let's go get Jeff Brom. And Jeff Brom was like, I just got to Purdue. You know, you don't want to pull a Willie Taggart that quickly. Um, instead, you know, timing just all worked out perfectly. Oh, yeah. So good, good doesn't, for Louisville. Doesn't, doesn't very often, but it did ex- and that's perfectly good, And that's good them. news for them because yeah. their basketball program is, is oh, getting chilled unbelievable right now. how bad they are. John, if you can. Well, did he hang up? All right. All right. Uh, I was going to say, John called in right as the music was about to start. Louisville also led by uh, prominent former players in football and basketball. Now, not that many Power 5 programs. No, you're right. With, uh, with, with alumni, you know, running running both shows. All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to check in with David Pascal. We normally speak with him on Thursdays. Everybody, people are going to be going, we're not, we're listening to a, a, a taped broadcast because Justin's on, David Pascal's on, but no. We're live here I'm on hold, this Friday I'm holding, drive. Up, I'm holding up today's paper. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That proves it. We're right back. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Temperature controlled and monitored 24-7. Closet Box has an A-plus rating from the BBB. Call 877-233-5696 now for the season's best rates. Get $50 off first month storage using code RADIO50. That's I'm Doug Brown at the World Cup quarterfinals today. Argentina loses a two-goal lead after the 82nd minute, but comes back to beat the Netherlands in a shootout after a 2-2 draw. And Croatia rallies to tie Brazil in extra time and then wins in penalties after a 1-1 draw. Argentina and Croatia will meet in the semis on Tuesday. Ravens coach John Harbaugh says it's looking like Tyler Huntley will be his starting quarterback Sunday against the Steelers. Lamar Jackson hasn't practiced all week with a knee injury. A comeback win for the Rams with Baker Mayfield at quarterback against the Raiders. But ESPN's Rob Ninkovich says slow down. 
great game, great victory. Not taking anything away from it, but um, you know, I'm not going to say that, that that Baker's back. Rob Nikovich on Greeny. The Cardinals signed catcher Wilson Contreras to a five-year deal. He'll take over for the retiring Yadier Molina behind the plate in St. Louis. Contreras played the last seven years with the Cubs, winning a World Series in 2016, his rookie season. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Friday Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson. Yes, it is Friday, and Justin's here with us. He had uh, some things to take care of yesterday, so no, it's not a it's not a uh, pre-taped no. version of the show. You Justin don't have Ferguson to go to work tomorrow. Is most here. Of you. Don't worry. No, no, I don't. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, um, so, so, so don't worry. You're not hearing Thursday again. No, that that's uh, no, no. We're we're here. Uh, on this uh, Friday edition of The Drive, uh, an hour number two brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we will we will uh, get to your phone calls in a little while on the Kia of Auburn hotline, Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. Um, but we'll, we'll give out that number in just a little while because we're going to head to the Kia of Auburn hotline right now and welcome in again. People are going, you're, you're not being truthful. It's really Thursday because Justin, Justin's here in the studio and you've got David Pascal from Chattanooga on. No, David, it, it really is Friday for the listeners out there. How you doing, man? I'm doing wonderful for that very reason. It's Friday, so hopefully you guys are doing well. Uh, you're right. It's it's always it's always uh, a good time when you're heading into the last hour on Friday. Uh, so so what's what's the uh, the buzz been up in in Chattanooga this week? What's uh, what's what's been the main topic up there? Okay, you ready for this? It would be Hendon Hooker not getting a Heisman invitation. Yep. That has been the dominant topic and and of course last night ESPN revealed that he finished fifth in the voting Bryce Young sixth but um you know I had I had Hendon Hooker on my ballot I, mm-hmm. I did think he was one of and I'm really big into value to your team and stuff like that and I mean Hendon Hooker has just been synonymous with with Tennessee's rise from mm-hmm. five and sevenville to, to ten and two land so um I thought he should have been one of the four, but you know, and it's it's one of those that one it's so heavy weighted on on quarterbacks. I mean, you know, I guess as it turns out, the top six vote getters were quarterbacks, yeah. and then and then Blake Corum, the Michigan running back, was seventh. So there's kind of that element that's kind of stale. I mean, every now and then you get a Derrick Henry or a Devontae Smith, but it's so quarterback heavy, and and you can really 
frame the statistics however you want, but, you know, and Seth and Bennett's a remarkable story. I just don't, you know, if you start talking about the best players on Georgia, I mean, you certainly start with Jalen Carter and Brock Bowers, but, I mean, you know, Stetson, don't get me wrong, he's very valuable. I just don't, I don't know if he's one of the five or the four Heisman candidates. I mean, but congratulations to him, and I'm sure he's I've, – I've looked at pictures, and he's having a good time at New York City already. Well, I mean, it, it feels like Stetson Bennett is the uh, the feel good story. That's that's the one for you know look look at this. What an unbelievable story! Walk on to uh, to junior college. That make, make Auburn fans feel very good. Well, I, I know, but I'm saying it's great. It's a great story to be told up there. But he's not going to win it. No, no, he's going to be fourth. He'll be fourth. And I, I mean, I think it's pretty predictable. I think you'll I think you'll have Caleb Williams win it. I think Max Duggan will be second. Um, and I guess uh, probably Stroud third and, and Bennett fourth would be my guess at how it winds up. David, I think uh, I mean moving moving to the bowl lineups because you've got some SEC teams and some intriguing matchups, including the Tennessee Volunteers. I think that Tennessee Clemson game uh, st- stands out as as one of the intriguing bowl matchups that we got uh, this past weekend. Anything uh, that that really uh, piques your interest of the of the matchups SEC teams outside the playoff? Because we'll we'll talk about the two yeah. playoff matchups. Well, too. There, there are but some the, interesting ones of, yeah, of the of the non playoff games. Is is there an SEC matchup or two uh, that, that really strikes you as interesting? Well, Dan, I agree with you. I think, I mean, and, and part of this is just biased because I've covered the SEC for more than 30 years. I don't, a Michigan TCU game just doesn't really excite me. And it's nothing against those teams. They've had incredible seasons. Um, it's just, I don't know how much I'm, I'm going to be glued to that game. And it's a national semifinal. Uh, Georgia, Ohio State, I think is, is the game I'm most intrigued about. A lot of tradition. Uh, I covered it the only other time they played in a, in a, in a citrus bowl, uh, when Ray Goff won it. Um, you know, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think Clemson, Tennessee is the next most intriguing matchup. I mean, it's, it, it, for me personally, I mean, it's, it's the highest rated orange bowl of the, of the playoff era that didn't, you know, that wasn't involved in a national semifinal. I mean, number six versus number seven. So, uh, I think that's a good one. I, and I think you've got some at the other extreme. I mean, you've got, You've got the Music City Bowl, which is just right up the road, and I've known Scott Ramsey for years, and and they've done a really nice job of getting good matchups most of the time. But you know the fact that this is the second Kentucky Iowa matchup in a yeah, calendar yeah, year, man. the fact that you've got no Will Levis, you've not, you've got no Chris Rodriguez, and in the last time I checked, guys, you got no offense is what like, you have. <laughs> yes, it's like the over-under is like 32-and-a-half and still heading south. I mean, it's going to set a bowl record, I think, for like the lowest over-under total. Now, that, that 32 is the over-under of how many punts there are going to be in the in, in the game. I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, you're it's, right. It, I mean, at, at full strength, I think that it would be a defensive struggle between exactly. Kentucky and Iowa. And when you pull these pieces away and you keep Ference Jr., uh, calling the plays for Iowa's offense. I mean, there, yeah, there's there's a chance for that to be uh, just just a. I mean, depending on what kind of football you like, that could either be tortuous or uh, or you know, torturous or or a or a game that you get to uh, uh that you know you get to you get to reminisce about the old days of of, of college football. Yeah, no, no kidding. Hey, I tell you what, I, I sort of like the South Carolina Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I do too. I do too. I think that's intriguing on multiple fronts. I mean, a lot of momentum, and and that's the thing about the Orange Bowl. You can talk about the Orange Bowl. 
being great or giving you headaches depending on the uniforms and it's going to look like an inner squad game but uh you know that's the that's you can joke that that's the Shane Beamer ball Shane Beamer knocked both of those teams out of the playoffs uh so I think on the good side South Carolina Notre Dame another one on the bad side and this is incredible I'm trying to remember like two straight years you know how you have teams that just are train wrecked uh when there's a coaching change you know, you get player opt-outs and stuff like that, and you're just a skeleton of, you know, like Florida last year and, and LSU last year, and you could argue Auburn a couple of years ago in the Citrus after they let go of Malzahn. But but Florida's going through that for a second straight year. I mean, Billy Napier's back, but Anthony Richardson's not going to play. You had the, the real messy, messy deal with Jalen Kittner, the backup quarterback. So you're going to start Jack Miller, this transfer from Ohio State that had a thumb injury in August and, and has just been out. And then Ventrell Miller, the linebacker, opts out. So, you know, we talk about these bowl matchups, but we still don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to Tennessee Clemson, but Jalen Hyatt, who won the Bolitnikoff last night, he's going to make a decision next week on what he's going to do. So we still have a bunch of decisions out there that still have to be made. But, but Florida, for a second straight year, is kind of a train wreck going into its bowl game. David, I want to ask you about two SEC games in particular that I don't think we mentioned yet. Um, number one, we've seen this happen before from time to time, and we either see Alabama either blow the doors off a team that that, uh, that they're upset that they're having to play, or they mess around and lose. What do you think about the Alabama-Kansas State game? And then the second game, if you are a big, like, styles make fights kind of kind of game, Mississippi State-Illinois is going to be funny to watch. An air raid team against Brett Bielema trying to run the ball 700 times in the, in the game. What do you think about that one as well? Yeah, I think Mississippi State better be careful because, I mean, Illinois is good. I mean, yeah. I, they, that, that is a nice team that, that really just blew it late in the year, had a chance for that huge win against Michigan and didn't do it. Um you know, on the flip side of that, I don't know the the Dylan Johnson transfer portal. I don't know if you all talked about that much. <laughs> yeah, we week. did, as a matter of fact. That was one of the all-timers. I mean, uh, you know, everybody says, with that being said, after a lot of prayer and self-reflection, I've decided to such and such. I mean, that whole, with that said, and because I don't work hard enough and Leach hates it. Yeah, I mean, that whole bit was just incredible. I've, I've never seen a transfer portal uh, and, you know, so that'll be funny, but, um, you know, and I, and I should have just, I should have mentioned Alabama because they have been, uh, because they go to the playoff every year. They, I, to my knowledge, I don't think they've ever lost anybody, uh, to an opt out before a postseason game. I don't think they lost any, uh, with the Citrus Bowl in 19 when they went. So, uh, if they have a full, if they have a full roster, then I, I think they've got every, ability to just go down to new orleans and obliterate uh kansas state just on talent alone but if they do have some opt-outs that could be kind of a weird deal i mean as we all know the the, the sugar bowl's kind of been a, a house of horrors mm-hmm. for alabama when there when there's nothing on on the you know when they've been eliminated from the you know they looked at they got wallet by oklahoma after the kick six and if you go back even further that that heartbreaker utah, that they lost utah. to florida in the 08 title game and how they they were down 21 to nothing to utah before you could sneeze 
Yeah, and that that, that, and Dylan, that game's at eleven too. That right. is an early kickoff. I just noticed that. That yeah. is an early kickoff in New Orleans, which feels weird, but like that also adds to like the potential sleepiness of an against, Al- Alabama early, team. Early kickoffs in New Orleans should be against the law. Right? Like, what, yeah. what, 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 what kind of reward is that? No, you just you know, stay, the, no, you just do what most people normally do. You just stay up all night. The, 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 the Dylan Johnson tweet was incredible, David, and and part of the reason why is because I think in most cases, if a player had posted that, we would think there's no way the coach said that to him. But when it's a Mike Leach guy. Yep. You believe that Mike Leach probably said those things to and, Dylan Johnson. And, and and when was the last time you, you heard a player just call a coach just by his last name? Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. say coach, he doesn't yeah. say just as Leach. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you had that Kentucky player earlier this year and that, that Rich Scandarillo who was just one and done as Kentucky's OC. There was that one Kentucky player that was asked about the red zone troubles. And he said, I think it's the play calling. And so, you know, he, he totally throws his o- OC under the bus. So, um, but yeah, I, I will say this, guys. Bill and I are old enough to remember when the Sugar Bowl was an afternoon game. In, yep. the, in the mid to late 70s, oh, yes, it, it was. was an afternoon game. Well, sadly, the first bowl game that I went to was not an afternoon game. It was, it was well... I don't know if it was at 11 or 12, but it was way too early for me. I can tell you that because, uh, I, I was there for the, I was there for the 71 Sugar Bowl against, uh, Oklahoma. Ouch. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was, was before. I mean, that was way too early. Yeah. I'm are you, talk, you, are, you, are you talking about back, David? Are those the Sugar Bowl afternoon games? Is that back in like, that the, was in Tulane Stadium. Say, is that it the, was in the Sugar Bowl there? The, yeah. two, the Tulane Stadium days, man. Yeah. Did that place have lights? Is that why they had to play I, in the afternoon? I, I, I don't know. Well, no, even the, even when it moved into the Superdome, when, when Alabama uh, won a share of the national title, when they beat Arkansas after the 79 season, that was an afternoon game. When wow. they beat Ohio State so bad and, 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 and Texas still leapfrogged them in 77, that was an afternoon game. When Georgia won its national championship in 1980, that was a national championship game. Uh, but then the next two years, when Georgia played Pitt and Penn State, that was those were night games, and then in, in the '83 season when Auburn beat Michigan on the three Del Greco field goals, that was night at well. But that by that point, you started having those at night. Oh yeah, that was the expectation from that point on. Hey, we mentioned Tulane. What about that matchup? That's one a lot of people saw in the preseason. Tulane and Southern Cal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and and we talked about this on today's show. Uh, you know, we talked about. Not enough people when this 12-team playoff is, gets here are talking about, mm-hmm. you know, removing divisions. And I think we've talked about this, Bill, about mm-hmm. how uh, in the future, if you have a year like this without divisions, you would have had Michigan winning at Ohio State and then those two teams playing for the Big Ten title the very next week because they had the best two records regardless of division in that conference. I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that when the 12-team playoff gets here, you are going to have it's good, the top four buys are going to be the top the, the four buys are going to be your top four conference champions. So if the playoff was this year, Georgia would be the one seed, which is fine because that's how it is now. Michigan would be the two seed. Utah and Clemson. Clemson. Right? Yeah. Clemson would be your three mm-hmm. seed. The, the Palmetto State runner-up would be your three seed. You know, there's a seven seed right now, and then a three-loss Utah would be your four seed. So Clemson and Utah would get by. So, so three and four three and four would have losses to the SEC and out of conference games in in, in the playoff. Three and four would be conference Correct. champions that lost and, lost games to the SEC. And additionally Tulane would be in, right? 
I believe I know yeah. in, in the I, I believe there is now is is that I should I should check on that as far as the the twelve team model. No, has Tulane the, would be in. Yeah, yeah, Tulane would the, be in. Uh, I, the rest of the matchups are pretty. Yeah, yeah they, they would actually be the very last seed. It would right. be. Uh, I've seen the bracket. It would be TCU Tulane would be the five twelve game. Hmm. The six eleven game would be an Ohio State Penn State rematch. The seven ten game would be Bama USC, so plenty of tradition in that one. Oh, wow, yeah. And then the eight nine game would be Tennessee and Kansas State, where Tennessee, if they won, would have a rematch with Georgia. D- David, I think I've lost my battle for the Group of Five to have their own playoff and and to have you know a, an eight an eight an eight team or a sixteen <laughs> team Group yeah. of Five playoff for a national championship, which is even with a playoff expansion, I, you know, I just I'd love the idea of the Group of Five playing for a national championship that that a Group of Five team can actually win. And that you know, it's not—it's a little reductive, but but this is a year where that would be. Uh, I feel like you'd have some some fascinating matchups at the Group of Five level if you pick that. Do you fe- do you have uh, do you have feelings one way or another about a about a standalone Group of Five playoff, or, or is that? I mean, that that, that dream is dead. Uh, but but I'd, I'd still like yeah, to know your, mean, your thoughts on on how how that thing could be beneficial. I mean, we've locked into so many things now. I mean, Bill remembers this when I was a student at Auburn. Uh, it was my sophomore year. Auburn had started out 8-0, something like that, and then lost to, went down to Florida, had a 17 to nothing lead, and lost to Kerwin Bell and Ricky Natil. Uh, and then Georgia upset Auburn, but then Auburn won the Iron Bowl on a Lawyer Tillman reverse, and, and that Auburn team went 9-2, and and they went to the Citrus Bowl and played Southern Cal. Mm-hmm. There weren't any tie-ins at that point. And so I was like, this is kind of cool, an Auburn-Southern Cal bowl game. Uh, Auburn played Ohio State in a bowl game in 89, uh, Auburn played somebody different every year. You just never knew who it was going to be. And then when the, when, when they started getting all those tie-ins, Conference tie-ins uh, yeah. I was covering a lot of Georgia 20 years ago and, and Georgia, it seemed like every other year would either play Purdue or Wisconsin and either like the outback of the citrus. I mean, it was just this rotation that made you nauseous. And, and, you know, Auburn's played Wisconsin more than enough times through the year. So I miss the old days of just the shady under the table, let's get this team and this team. So, you know, along the way, Dan, it's just kind of been one of those things that we've just added things. We've got to include the group of five. We've got to include this or that. And and, and that's what has me nauseated about this playoff, guaranteeing the top the four buys to the top, because it's very similar to what the NFL goes through. I mean, there's a very good chance this year the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the NFC South with like an 8-9 record, but they will get to host a first-round playoff game because it won a division. Probably against, mean, probably, probably against, probably against an NFC East team with a fantastic record. Too, that's, prob- that's probably right, the way things right. are going to work out, where either the Cowboys or the Eagles are going to have to go to Tampa Bay uh, despite having won... Know, five or six more games in the regular season than the Buccaneers because that's the uh, you know that's the, the the benefit of winning your division or winning your conference in college football. Surprised you haven't heard more complaining from Notre Dame about that conference champion thing. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, with with the fact that that basically eliminates Notre Dame from ever being able uh, to until uh, they're in a conference right. uh, until until they join a conference keeps them from ever being able to uh, to host uh, the uh, or, or to get the bye uh, into the, into one of the top four spots in the, in, in the playoff. Yep, I just say it's a sad, sad deal to me. I've always thought college football was so special because it wasn't the NFL. I've always loved both, but yeah, college football has taken a huge step to being just a an NFL knockoff. It's it's a sad to me. It's a sad time, but you know, I, it's, I'll still watch it. And I've said before, I, I liked the SEC when it was ten teams. I didn't mind when Arkansas and South Carolina joined to make it twelve. Uh, and it's nothing against Missouri and Texas A and M. I just haven't enjoyed the league as much. I still watch it all the time, and I love covering it, but. 
when you have Auburn, Florida, and Auburn, Tennessee games happening happening so infrequently now, when you've got the fact that that Texas A&M's been in the league since 2012 and Georgia still hadn't been to College Station, I mean, there's just some match. I mean, it's just comical how infrequent teams play. Yeah, and then now you add free agency to college football with the transfer portal and uh, just trying to keep up. It, it it is going to be amazing to see how different so many rosters look next year from what you thought, you know, heading into this season. That's uh, uh, it, it's changing, David, and there's really, I mean, it's either keep up with it or be you know just completely left behind. It is. Uh, it is wild, but but you're right. I mean, we still we still love it when it's on the field. But there's so much stuff going on, and uh, uh, hey, we appreciate you spending a little time with us here this afternoon. Thanks for uh, adjusting the schedule a little bit after uh, yesterday. Um, uh, I guess we can we should be able to get back on track next Thursday. I would guess. Yeah, that's fine with me. That would be great. And yeah, speaking of the portal, you guys should be immune to it. I mean, Auburn's quarterback race was was Finley and Calzada and Ashford. Portal, portal, portal. Hey, yeah. Well, we're we're looking right now at a roster of about fifty or so for Auburn. So the portal, the portal better pay Auburn back. Yeah, and and and, and it can. It, I, I witnessed the same thing up the road in Knoxville. I mean, if you had told me Tennessee would be ten and two two years after more than thirty people left the portal, you know, uh, Henry Toa Toa, Eric Gray. I mean, some big time names. Oh yeah. Uh, but it can happen. The, the 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 portal can give back. It's just uh, Hugh Freeze is going to have to work it. That's for sure. No question. David, let everybody know how they can keep up with everything you're doing. TimesFreePress.com and ESPNChattanooga.com. Always enjoy talking to all three of you guys. Uh, great. It's our, our pleasure, David. Have a great weekend. You do. You guys do the same. Take care. David Pascal, Chattanooga Times Free Press, ESPN Chattanooga. Normally with us on Thursdays, we appreciate him spending some time with us here on the Friday Drive. And we'll get to our first break of the hour. Come on in and join us. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, 25 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Friday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, and... uh, yeah, we were talking with David Pascal there about bowl games. Obviously, Auburn not in a bowl. Justin, if they if they had been eligible for a bowl, I don't know that they could have played just because of what the the situation the roster is in right uh, now. The situation in the roster, especially at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you know, you didn't want to. You could have enough people say, "Hey, we want to play in this game," but if there's not enough on the offensive line or the defensive line, I mean, you're talking about a dangerous situation. Go and play. So, yeah, I think Auburn's not going to, you know, be uh, be too terribly upset that they're not playing in a bowl game this year. You know, it would have been cool for the players who wanted to play. I think the fans would have been very excited to see it. But five and seven, you don't want to get in on a loophole and 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 do it instead. Right now, the focus for football is. Finishing up the yeah, staff and going real, in and recruiting. If you're real desperate for a bowl trip, go you know like Justin, go go to go to LA and watch the basketball team, or go to Seattle and yeah. watch, watch the basketball team during the holiday season. That's or or like just you know you can just drive down the road to Montgomery and watch whatever that bowl game That's is true. this year. 
I don't think it's there. There are plenty. Going. Yeah, I mean, the thing Georgia, is, I think Georgia Southerns in there. I think the, uh, uh, the, the Tyson, yeah. Tyson Helton and the because uh, that's not it's Clay Helton. Yeah, Clay Helton. Where's, where's Tyson? Tyson's Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky. That's right. But it's uh, uh, yeah, well, one of the Helton brothers is there. I, I'm pretty sure that's the game. Troy's in Orlando against uh, UTSA. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's a fun. Uh, one. I don't have any problem with with Hugh Freeze's. Uh, primary objective right now trying to absolutely. bring in talent absolutely try to get as much of it as you can it's a big weekend for recruiting guys on official visits and yeah the transfer portal i will say this of all the teams you can kind of see you know right now with the exception of calendar jones you don't want to say like oh you will you do you wouldn't want to keep any of those guys but it's not like auburn's had any defections where you're like oh wow there's not a can't, Cody Hudson can't or without a Nix or a jj right. pagese in this crew it's more of a it's more of a hey this is the normal amount of attrition you would expect a, uh, a team to have where it's like guys who didn't play, didn't feature as much, they're going to go on and, and try to find playing time elsewhere. That's just the nature of, of what the transfer portal is. And so um, as it stands right now, Auburn's in a pretty good spot. Camellia Bowl is on Tuesday, December 27th. It will feature Georgia Southern from the Sun Belt. And Tuesday Mac team. The Bulls. Yeah, Buffalo is going to be uh, coming to make the trip. Both teams uh, six and six, but yeah, take it still available for that one if you want to watch some uh, postseason football in go Montgomery. To, that's go a, down to the Cranston Bowl. A couple days after Christmas. An, an interesting uh, group of of players that are coming in this weekend. Most of them are committed somewhere else. Yep. Among the, uh, the the high school and junior college player, there's a junior college player. I think seven high schoolers and two. Transfer portal guys. Yeah. It's, now, the transfer portal guys obviously aren't committed anywhere. but mm-hmm. and, and I think Auburn's in a really good position to flip some of these guys. I mean, it's just a new staff, new situation. I think it's it's a sign that, you know, when you have a guy like Tony Mitchell make so many visits mm-hmm. during the fall, those Langston Hughes kids all making official visits, I think it's one of those – or make, making so many visits, unofficial visits this fall. I think it's a sign, though. It's like when you have a new staff and it's like – you know the previous staff, especially from the, the head coach on down. I think there were people who are like, "We like Auburn," might necessarily not might not necessarily like the coaching staff or who's in charge here. And now, when you have another opportunity, it just opens it up. I mean, you know, a team that went five and seven and is going through a new coaching, it just went through a coaching search. Like that team doesn't necessarily. You don't look at them and say, "Oh, they could flip guys from Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State." Like usually not. But Auburn's going to be in a position to try to at least do it here in the next couple of weeks. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in as we uh, head into the final 25 minutes or so here on the Friday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390, toll free at 888 382 7502, or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive, 27 minutes away from 6 o'clock 
here on this Friday. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson, and to the Kia of Auburn Hotline we go. And Terry is up next. Hey, Terry. Hey, Bill, Dan, Justin. How are y'all today? Doing good. Great. Fantastic. I want to ask a question about the Heisman. Before I get to that, I want to say tomorrow at at J&M Bookstore between 1 and 3, the 1972 Amazings are going to be signing autographs. Oh, wow. For a book, a yeah, book that's cool. That's, that's cool. It's hard to believe. Yeah, 50 years ago, wow. that, that team that was expected to be, you know, nothing special at all after the departure of Sullivan and Beasley and so many players. And uh, the Terry Henley, um, you know, was, was the was the horse that that they rode offensively and they were pretty nasty defensively. Terry, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that. I I reached out to uh to Timothy Bella who wrote the new uh Barkley uh, autobiography that just uh, just came out in the last couple of weeks. So so we you know speaking of books, we may have a may have a, a chat with an author who has a, a very highly anticipated biography of Charles Barkley that, that will be out in the next uh I believe it's in, it, I believe it's on shelves now. Yes. It, it just just came out. I wonder how I wonder how many players any idea of how many players uh are are you know going to be able to be there terry no i really don't know bill i know that uh i'm friends with a former player his wife was actually a teacher of mine in high school mm. and he will be there i know that because they contacted me today and it's danny sansbury yeah like defensive end on that team uh he's and, he's from uh, he's from atmore atmore right correct they were in atmore uh, today when i talked to him actually yeah well played played against him in high school so wow <laughs> you played against danny bill uh, yeah yeah, I'm from okay. I'm that's, I'm from Escambia County too. So okay, 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 okay. I'm oh, sure. Yeah, that's the big deal. That, that's the team that did the punt, Bama punt, the seventeen sixteen game mm-hmm. that remembered. So, you know, remembers has been remembered so much by so many. So, and you're right. They lost Sullivan and Beasley. I think they were going to be very good. They turned to be very special. Oh yeah, <clears throat> ten win team and uh, and rolled. Was it the Gator Bowl that year? Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, won yeah. the Gator Bowl and beat Oklahoma. I think. Uh, Colorado, I think. Colorado. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, Bill. Um. The Heisman Trophy, I just don't think it's near what it was, but I think it's a lot of pomp no. and circumstance now. I think ABC and ESPN, who had the Big Ten contract, won that award for Charles Woodson over Peyton Manning, and I just don't have any interest in it at all. Well, I tune in probably from about 740 on. But, <laughs> and, and, you know, for Stetson Bennett to be there in place of Hinton Hooker is a travesty. But every year some of the best players who have the best sets aren't there. Oh yeah, they're not. They're not even close. Well, a lot of a lot of Power Five or a lot of Group of Five players are excluded because of their competition well, yeah. level. Well, it's almost then, like the starting quarterbacks yeah. for the for the top teams. That's, yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of, well, I mean, and that's and that's traditional. It, it's difficult in pro sports to win an MVP award unless you're sensational. But it used to be that near, way. near the you know if you're if your team's near I, the bottom. Say, of the I'll say we talked about this on our podcast on Thursday, and I want to know what you guys think. Okay, so the whole thing about different finalists moving on, like moving like. Four one year, three the next year, five going to New York. Like it changes so much. We know we get the top ten every year. They show the top ten in ballots. My thing is, send all ten of just them. Like the even if 10. you know, like yeah. last year, Bryce Young. Everybody knew Bryce Young was winning that Heisman. Just send the ten. Just send the top ten. You know who the top ten are, and it's like celebrate all of them. Fill out that show that they're going to do. I don't have a with problem more with that stories, at all. and then and then just like yeah, just you just do that. I feel like that's a better scenario than saying like, well, the cutoff was four this year, the cutoff was three this year. It's like just celebrate, and then you would get more guys like uh, Blake Corm or Hendon Hooker who got hurt. And like that really kept them, I think, from being Heisman finalists. But it's similar. It's similar to the argument behind, and 
increasing the number of Best Picture nominees, the Academy Awards, sure. because yeah. people, more people will watch if they care about one of the movies. And if you have ten movies nominated instead of five movies, maybe you'll have, uh, on top of the fact that you could open things up to a really big box office hit that could be included yeah. because there are ten nominees. You could also have, yeah, more, more inclusivity in that situation, more welcoming to an audience. I think that's a great idea, Justin, as far as expanding it to ten every year and just inviting the ten highest vote-getters to New York City to, to participate in the ceremony. And the playoff to 12, you can surely send 10 guys to the Heisman. 100%. I'm 100% with you there, Terry. I just, I, that makes no sense at all. I just, I, I don't know. The, the 97 thing bothers me, will forever bother me, the Woodson, because they want ABC and ESPN won that for him. And if you examine some of the defensive stats by some of the guys like Derek Thomas and Cornelius Bennett and Chris Spielman at Ohio State, they were way better than he was. Way better. But he got the award based on, based on about eight plays on offense and a kick return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that just it just it just bothers me. It just does because Peyton Manning was so influential that year. And and I was, I mean, I was very young when that season happened. But I, but to your point, Terry, like growing up for me, the Heisman was like a huge, huge deal. And I don't know if it's me just getting later in life, and and it's not as. It, but it does seem it doesn't have that buzz. Like when I was in high school, it was a much bigger deal oh, than yeah. it was yeah. now, and it I, felt like the buzz was around. Well, it, it seems like it's it's all it's it's all determined, and you know you've known for a long time who it is. Hey, speaking of Peyton, though, uh, yeah, I heard somebody somebody um, reminding folks the other day that Peyton Manning was nowhere to be found on one hundred plus ballots, nowhere in the top ten. On one over a hundred ballots, That's, that is yeah. insane. And we were talking, we were talking about like you know, there's some people here. Uh, I think of at least one, might be a couple others, um, who are on the Auburn beat that are Heisman voters because uh-huh. there's nine million of them, right? Um, and we were just talking about like kind of what his ballot would look like and all that, and uh, and it was like you kind of have to come to a point where you vote for three guys. Like this year is like, can you, can, like, I wonder how many people are just like, all right, I can't have all quarterbacks. Like I just, just cause I would do that. That's how I would approach it. I was like, I just can't do it. So this year, I mean, I didn't ask David about it, but like Jalen Hyatt deserves to get that. Jalen Hyatt or Blake Corm. If you wanted to put Marvin Harrison Jr. in the in the in the Heisman race, I would absolutely do it because that dude was unstoppable. Or the this best year. defensive player in the country. I mean, you know, yeah. guys that you know are going to go. Uh, if Jalen Carter was healthy the whole year, he should he should be in. You know, I mean, last mm-hmm. year, last year everybody knew um, Bryce was going to win the Heisman, right? Uh, second year was Aiden Hutchinson. I and I'd forgotten that Aiden Hutchinson came in second in that vote, but it's like, yeah, there's defensive guys, there's running backs, there's wide receivers. They got to get more love. It can't just be here's the quarterback on the best teams, right? And it's just it's just kind of silly to me. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety and Delane, I believe, is up next. Hey, Delane. Hey, Bill. Um, have you guys heard um, yet? Uh, who's going to replace Dan White? On the uh, color analyst. That is a great question. Yeah. I'm also wondering the answer to as well. I, I haven't heard anything. I don't know, so, Bill. Have you? No, heard the anything? only thing I heard was that uh, I think they know who it is, but we don't. Oh, okay. so, so based on based on listening to the broadcast, I have no like inside info here. Based on listening to the broadcast, it felt like for a while they were grooming Jason Campbell yeah. for that role, but Jason wasn't. Wow. Well, I don't know if Jason was involved as much in the broadcasts 
this year. I didn't. I didn't hear as much. It is I pregame and postgame. He, he, he post-game. does. I. Uh, I know, know that he's Ronnie Brown on the sidelines. I wonder if if I would think that one of those I think two, one of those guys or, would would be your most. I would be. Likely I would candidate. be surprised if it's one of if it's somebody other than Ronnie right. or Ronnie or Jason. And, and I sure. would even I would even listen to a broadcast if you wanted to try both of them. You know, depending on what you want to do, and, and depending on you know who's who's more insightful that's in certain sprint, situations. That's what a day is for, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wonder if if you you know you look and, and try, but but that would I would think those are your are your finalists yeah. because they've been so involved in the broadcast the last couple of seasons. Cool. Have you heard about um, uh, Deshaun Davis's new gig up here at UNA? Yeah, UNA. And, and, and uh, yeah. He's, he's not the only uh, man. Jake, Jake, Jake Bentley, Bentley just right. I love that staff yeah. that Brent Dearman's building there. That is a really fun young staff with some guys that obviously have nearby ties. I'm going to be very interested in what UNA does moving forward. And, and UNA's moving to oh, FBS. Wow. Jake Bentley's here too? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jake Bentley, they just announced, I think it was yesterday, I believe, uh, Jake Bentley's wow. on the staff as yeah, well. Yeah, that so. was announced. And, and they're, and, and, like you and said, yeah, they're they are joining moving. a conference that's uh, moving toward FBS as well yeah so it's 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 pretty big i'm I'm very excited for what what you and a will be doing okay one more question i've I've been wondering i haven't heard from rob from memphis in a long time um banned from the no 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 he's not rob Rob has been swamped he's he's got his he's got you know he's got his own show that he's doing and i believe he's expanded that one as well I've talked to him a couple of times, and he's and he's apologized for not being able to call in. I'm sure we'll hear from Rob. He, fe- he fell long. out. He fell out of the deer stand in his in his tree, and he hasn't called us. <laughs> while he was, no, no. While, while he was doing his podcast, yeah, while he's doing his podcast. Yeah. No, it, Rob's uh, Rob's great. We'll, no, we'll, he's a great. Guy. I'm sure. I'm sure he's going to hear this, and I'm sure we'll talk to him again soon. Okay. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it, you know, Delane. Bob, Bobby Bentley was just let go as part of the South Florida staff as well. He was the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator for Jeff Scott. From South Florida to North Alabama. In Tampa. I, 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 wonder where, I wonder where he ends up. I have a feeling he's not finished in college football, uh, so we'll see you know, what, what ends up yeah. happening. I guess Jeff, Jeff Scott's also somebody that people are looking to see. What, now, what you're right. Up. I'm surprised he hadn't shown up somewhere. I, I think uh, you know, the former, former Clemson uh, assistant, now, uh, now the ex-USF coach. And, uh, I mean, going back to Deshaun, I mean... There, I don't think, and again, I've only been covering the team for uh, ten years now. But like, I have never covered a football player that was more. As soon as you started talking to him, you're like, that dude's going to be a coach one day. It's just going to be a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Then Deshaun Davis, and so you know, obviously getting on board with Gus at UCF, and now moving on to UNA, like all the uh, you know, best of luck to him. And and you know, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope there there might be a day where uh, I'm covering him as a as a position coach here, maybe. Um, but yeah, shout out to Sean. There's a lot of those guys from that crew. Cam Cam Martin's gotten off to a great start in his uh, coaching career. He's at Incarnate Word, um, and then obviously you know guys I covered early, early on like Jonathan Wallace um, doing a good job. There's there's just a lot of those really good stories. He's still at Kansas, yes, and they uh, doing a great job at Kansas. Uh, one of their top recruiters and trying mm-hmm. to build that program back up. That, and that, they did such a good job this year. That was the vibe I got talking to Ryan Pugh uh, throughout throughout his career. Was that you mm-hmm. got? And also I think you know being the son of a prominent Birmingham high, high school football mm-hmm. coach. There, there was also some of that just rubbed Deshaun, off. Deshaun, the way he yeah. approached football and the way he approached playing linebacker, it was, just, it was so like, oh, that dude's going to be a coach. And I know Kevin Steele pushed for it for such a long time, and it's good to see kind of have, have that. Just the next generation, obviously, you know, Travis Williams and so many others for, for Auburn, 
in that crew, and now you're seeing guys, you know, from the last few years getting those getting those jobs and those opportunities. So, yeah, the Deshaun da- the Deshaun Davis, Brent Deerman, uh, you know, uh, Jake Bentley staff. That they, that's a fun that's a fun UNA staff. Fun uh, young staff. Very very fun young staff. Which is, I think, you need to have that when yeah. you're, when you're when you're at that, those levels of, of football. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We've got about a uh, little less than fifteen minutes to go here on the Friday drive. We'll get to our final break. Still time for you to join in. The drive continues. 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 The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN one zero six seven online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call three three four three two one one three nine zero. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive final segment here on this Friday afternoon. And let's get right back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Inspector is next. Hey, Specter. Hey, I heard Stan White's name mentioned, so I had to call in. You know, I if I'm not at the game, I'll have to watch the TV, or either if I'm not watching TV, I have to tune in the radio. Either way, I tune in the radio to watch it over the TV broadcast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've been doing this way before Stan White. We, I think Stan came in the early 2000s, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I've been doing this for a long time. But when Stan White came on board, I tell you, this man has got the insight of an offensive uh, coordinator and a defensive coordinator. There was times that he would knew what the play was going to be, what the op- uh, opposition was going to do. And I'm at the point where he's only 51 years old or something like that, isn't he? Uh, 50, that's probably right. Yeah, that's probably around 50, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah I, I can't believe we're letting a mind like this get away. I mean, you know, um, Pat Sullivan was uh, Pat Dye's uh, offensive coordinator. He was called out of the booth. And I can't believe Stan hasn't had that opportunity. What yeah, I, I wonder how seriously Stan White wants to pursue I don't think he a does. career in coaching. Um, you know, if, if he if he did, I agree. I think he's got a football mind that, oh, that yeah. would you know he seemingly has the insight for it. You you uh, would have to you had to have to assume that it's just something that it doesn't interest him if he hasn't done it because I, I absolutely agree. With I know you. I know is, I know that's such the, a smart football mind. The broadcast isn't the only thing Stan White does for a living. I know he's got other professional interests as well. So I'm I'm just assuming that that that's something that that hasn't really. Uh, hasn't really piqued his interest. Well, I think, you know, I disagree because if it didn't pique his interest, why would he do color for so many years? Well, because years, because you, you don't have to spend as much time uh, when, when you're broadcasting as you do when you're coaching. You know, I mean, yeah, you can, you can yeah. perhaps come down to a practice during the week, but you don't even have to do that as a color guy. Um, you, you're there. You're there Saturday. It takes up your Saturdays. If you're a coach, it's seven days a week. I think 22 seasons, I believe, officially, or 23 uh, seasons officially. Stan White did the uh, uh, did, was the was the analyst for the Auburn uh, football broadcasts. Wow. Uh, and s- signing wow. off. Wow. Signing off this season. Yeah. Well, you know, like everybody else, money is a motivator. I don't know what he does for a living. I knew he was in insurance, but I don't know what he does else, else, else anything else. But uh, show him the money. My goodness. I, I just can't believe a mind like his is going to waste now. N- not going to waste, but going to waste as far as football <laughs> goes. Right. <laughs> but, uh, 
But anyway, I all want to bring that to light, see if anybody would pique interest out there. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it, Spectre. 334-321-1390, and Jerry is next. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. Um, I got a notification this morning that there was an Oklahoma State quarterback that was transferring to Auburn. And I just wondered if... Oh, so that no, so that's, there's a story, I believe this started, you're talking about Spencer Sanders, the right. Oklahoma State quarterback. So there was a story, I believe an NFL, one of the ESPN uh, analysts who break down college football. Maybe it was Schlebaugh or Luganbill. Now, Luganbill sounds right. Uh, Tom Luganbill was on a podcast this week. Uh, he's he's an, an NFL, he's an ESPN college football analyst. And also he said, happens to be married to a, to a former, uh, his, his wife went to Auburn. Is that right? Okay, yeah. so, so Tom Luganbill was asked about quarterbacks in the portal uh, that would, uh, in his mind, fit Hugh Freeze's offense and make sense as a one-and-done option. And he singled out Spencer Sanders, who is the Oklahoma State quarterback, who had... Four-year starter at Oklahoma State. Had a good career for Mike Gundy. Uh, he's in the portal, moving on. He's going to play. It looks like he's going to play another year of college football and then try his luck uh, at, at the next level. And it's a matter of finding a place that would fit for him. You know, there, there are some... You, know, you, you, can, you can connect the dots on why that would make sense if Sanders yeah. had the interest... Well, uh, we to, mentioned to, to that, that we mentioned his name earlier when we were talking about possible There's, one and done quarterbacks. No, nothing official, though, as far as I mean, may, maybe Spencer Sanders will take a visit, but nothing as far as him actually transferring to Auburn at the moment. Oh well, thanks for the info. Just wanted to find out. Appreciate thanks. it, Jerry. Yep, you can't. I tell you what, I don't know that there are many transfer portal guys that you could just rule out with with the need that Auburn has for players across the board. Uh, and, what's and, what's amazing are the guys that have made a decision already, like the guys that went into like the like yeah. Jer, like Jerkovich, right? The the I, I can't be saying that right. The Boston College quarterback, Phil Jerkovich, yeah, yeah, it it was, yeah I, it know, I know, I know. But but he's uh, just and Graham, Graham Mertz going to Kentucky. Did I see that or and uh, and Penn State got a big time the MAC receiver yeah. that, that a lot of folks yeah. Wanted. So that Dante, tells you Dante Cephas. Uh, maybe they had a little idea before they officially went into the uh, portal what they were going to do. So big big one though, uh, and uh, Drake May decided to stay at North Carolina. Yeah, you're not kidding. You're and, not kidding. There were a lot is, of people that thought he he might move. But I mean, if there was one kid that I would point out and say, no, nah, he's a North Carolina guy, it's probably Drake May, considering like all of his siblings are former North Carolina and, athletes. And his dad, Jordan yeah. Jordan Brand is getting Family. into Jordan Brand's getting into the NIL game as well. There's a uh, there, there's a women's basketball point guard at UCLA. She's the first player to sign an individual NIL deal with Jordan Brand, but they're going to start getting into that a little bit more. Can't help but wonder if Drake May might call them and say, "Hey, I'm sticking around North Carolina. Like, let's let's figure out let's figure out a way." For you think me he to- might have to initiate that himself? Or this maybe- is also this is also the time where I where I throw it out that whenever Auburn's Under Armour contract comes to an end, I. Jordan, watch so there, it. So Just Jordan, watch the Jordan, watch the Jordan brand there. The, the thing that makes me wonder about that is that at the moment, Jordan Brand has picked one school in each conference, and they've sort of thrown their resources behind that. Now, if they start getting multiple schools in each conferences, I would think Auburn would be an option. Right now, the Gators are their one Jordan Brand school in, yeah. in the SEC, and they're they've been sort of particular about that. UCLA. All reports moving from Under Armour to Jordan Brand yep. have been extremely positive uh, for, from UCLA. So I, I could see that being a, a sought-after move that a lot of schools make in the next decade. Well, that changes here very soon because Oklahoma comes into the league and they obviously are a Jordan Brand, Brand school. So it, it it seems like one of those things where it's like Florida State, Miami, or I guess just Florida State. You know, if, if you have 
two rivals at Nike, you can at least differentiate differentiate them a little bit with with the Jordan brand. So and they're Texas, Oklahoma, to, kind of the same way. Uh, I think so. It seems like Under Armour's trying to get out of this business too of, of being the college apparel they're provider. They're not doing so hot. Yeah, I think they got to unload all this uh, Black Adam uh, merchandise. Uh, yeah. you know all, the, all that yeah. rock, all that rock affiliated. Yeah, like it's, I mean, Harson was a, a fan of those uh, those rock uh, Under Armour. Shocking. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, just great. absolutely shocking that that he would he would have that that connection. We should, we should see if he liked Black Adam. Should check. Check it out, Harson. See if you like Black I'm fine. I'm fine with that. All right, Justin, let everybody know one more time yeah. about uh, the Auburn Observer. AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month, $60 a year. We get you a newsletter, a podcast pretty much every day of the week, 6 a.m. Central Time. Inside on Auburn football and men's basketball. A ton of stuff this week, ton of stuff next week. A whole lot of basketball coming up here shortly.